Thanks for joining us for today's message. Our mission here at Plum Creek is to help you experience intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Our hope is that what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to check us out online at PlumCreekOnline.com to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we might have for you or for your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through our website, plumcreekonline.com give or via text. Just text any dollar amount to 720-606-5563. Thanks again for joining us today. Well, good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, my name is Kyle Friedman. I'm one of the pastors here at Plum Creek. And I uh, wanted to tell you just a little bit about my upbringing. Uh, I, I grew up in a very traditional Southern Baptist minister's home. Now, I know you hear that and automatically there's like something, some kind of image, what you're thinking of, of what it was like, uh, what that might be. Uh, for us, we knew ve- there was very clear definition of what we were supposed to do and what we weren't supposed to do. What behavior was acceptable and what behavior was unacceptable. And it was almost like a person's spiritual journey was determined by how well they followed the rules or how well they hid the areas that didn't really match up uh, but nobody knew about. And that was okay, too, because they were considered spiritual giants uh, because they could hide it. Uh, Nobody knew about it. And so for me, as a result, my kind of faith journey growing up uh, became about more behavior modification than it was about heart change. And it was like, if I could just stay within the lines, then God's going to be happy with me. And for me, that meant I was going to get as close as I could to the line without going over. I wanted to know how, how, much, how much could I actually do without it being considered bad and that God would not look at it and he wouldn't smile on it. And so that was, for me, that's what it was like. Until college. Middle school, high school, I could kind of stay within the lines. I was good. I got into college, and I I played football for a couple years, but then stopped playing football, and, like, all discipline and everything was just, like, jettisoning out the window. I didn't have anybody telling me I had to work out, where I had to be, what I needed to eat, what I needed to do, and so it just kind of began to go out. And when I turned 21, I made the decision, okay, you know what? I have never had a drink in my life leading up to this point, and so I'm going to let loose on my 21st birthday. And so I agreed to let some of my friends uh, take me to Dave & Buster's in Dallas, Texas, and it was not a fun sight uh, at the end of that night. And this led into kind of a year and a half where I let go of a lot of things. Uh, I began to party on the weekends, which in college the weekend began on Thursday afternoon and went until Monday morning, and we would just kind of tear it up. And then my language started getting bad. The, what I said yes to, that widened significantly during those years. And really, it was one of my biggest regrets of that season of life was that year and a half where I just kind of justified and compromised a lot of who I was. Luckily, I had a God and I had a relationship with this God that would not let me go. That when I crossed that line of faith and he placed his spirit inside of me, he knew that he would begin to bring me back. And so through different people, through, through different events, he began to kind of pull me back in and say, hey, you know what? I've got something better for you. I know you think you're having a lot of fun and I think you, you know, but here's what I have for you. I have a life that is going to be dedicated to walking alongside students and alongside people and pointing them to who I am and who they can become as a result of a relationship with me. And he said, I want, that's what I want for you. 
And so I said yes. And that last year of college looked drastically different than the year and a half previous to that. And I began to, to, to give my life to what he is calling me to in this future that he had for me. But a few years after I graduated, I was speaking at a ski trip for a buddy of mine. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going through that first session and we're talking about repentance and we're talking about, you know, God and how he wants us to be set apart and, and how, who you can be in him. And it, it's going great. But then afterwards... There's one of the leaders from this group begins to kind of walk and make a beeline up to where I'm at. And she gets, to, she gets up in front of me and just kind of goes, are you Kyle Friedman from Baylor University? And immediately, it was like this past that I had, had let go of and was done, kind of went face to face. And my mind begins to race. And I'm like, okay, I wonder which one version of me that she knows. I wonder how we know each other, where our, our paths crossed. What does she remember about me? Was it, was it the, the, the football stage or the, or the partying stage or was it the ministry phase? Which one of that? And so this rush of guilt and shame and embarrassment all wrapped up into one just kind of began to flood as my past began to kind of come back and creep up on me. And I think all of us, if we're really honest, we have things that we have done. We have things that we have said that we wish we hadn't. And we all have trouble and, and difficulty getting past sometimes our own past. We can kind of accept and we can hear and we can kind of in our mind kind of go, okay, yes, I know. God, it says that God has forgiven me. But I think we have difficulty forgiving ourselves for the things that we've done in our past. And that's why we've done this series and so many of you afterwards have said, you know, after a, after a weekend, man, that was a great, that was, that was a great message. I really needed that, but man, it was really rough. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to really address some of those labels. I don't really want to kind of go back there, but it's kind of, kind of brought us through that so that hopefully on the end of it, we can leave better than what we walked in. Because some of us, we walked in this morning, and there's some, just some heavy weight from our past. I don't know what that is for everybody, but I can guarantee that, was that some of you in this room and some, of you that have been, some people that have been here this weekend, they've come in with some heavy baggage over sexual past, things that they have done, some things that they thought at the time were fun and that were right, but years later that there's baggage and there's weight and there's guilt and it affects your marriage. It affects maybe relationships that you have. And you just sit back and you go, oh, I wish, I wish that I hadn't done that. For some, it's a recurring sin. It's something that you, have, that you do and, and you pray for forgiveness. And you, say, you make kind of a deal with God. God, I will never do this again. Please just help me. And you might be good for a week or two weeks or three weeks, maybe even a year but then you find yourself, there's some kind of trigger or there's some kind of circumstance, and you fall right back into the same pattern that you find yourself in over and over again. And you're carrying this big weight from your past that you can't seem to shake. For some of you, you've said something to a loved one, and you didn't mean it. You might have felt it at the moment, but that word flew out of your mouth, and immediately you wish, oh, I wish I could unsay that. Because you know that it's caused wounds, it's caused hurt, it's caused damage that can't be undone. And you're just like, man, I wish that I hadn't have done that. Some of you have, got, have made some bad decisions in your past. 
And you're kind of haunted by that. And now they're catching up with you. And maybe they're coming out. Or maybe you're just afraid that somebody's going to find out about some of the decisions that, that I've made. And you regret it. And you hate it. But you just don't know how to move on. Man, I know a lot of people that uh, unfortunately have strayed from their marriage. They have done something that betrayed a spouse, and they're on down the road here years later. God's restored the marriage. They've been forgiven by the spouse. They've been forgiven by their children. They've been forgiven by God, but they just can't forgive themselves. And there's this aching, and there's this nagging. There's this, there's this little moment that they're thinking, man, if I would have just tried a little harder, if I would have prayed a little more, if I would have worked at it a little bit more, man, I might have been in a different place. And then there's others that look at their own kids and think, if I were just a better parent, if I hadn't have made some of the mistakes in their life, maybe they would have turned out different. Maybe they wouldn't have gone down the path that they find themselves in right now. I think so many of us walking in here today, you might feel the same way that David did when he wrote Psalm 38.4, when it says this, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden that is too heavy to bear. That might describe someone in, in here today. That you are overwhelmed with guilt. And you want a way past it. And you think of your life and you think, man, I am not worthy of this. I'm useless. I'm used up. I talk to people all the time who want to serve with students. And when we start talking about it, and they're like, mm, I just, with all that I have done, how could I ever lead anybody else? Or somebody that, 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 that wants to have just a good marriage and they think, man, I'm not worthy of that. Everything that I've done in my past, there's no way that I could have or might even deserve to have a good marriage. Why? Because of my past. I don't deserve it. Why do we feel this way? It's because our past continues to follow and define us. We allow it to. It's like our failures make up a playlist that's stuck on replay in our mind, right? And every time that we look in the mirror, we see it. Every time that we get a moment just to be quiet and think about and, and reflect on life, we hear it over and over again. Or every time we begin to take a step forward, we feel that our past just begins to pull us back. And we hear the things over and over again of where we failed, where we've missed the mark. And we want to get past it. Well, here's what I hope you, want, you understand and take away from this morning. And what we all need to make sure that we have a grasp on. I want you to know this, that every single saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Every saint, everyone that God has used to do something incredible in this world has a past. Somebody you look at and you go, man, that person has it all together. Spiritually, they are incredible. I mean, they have hours and hours of intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. Like they're knocking it out of the park of GFO, right? They have a past. They have failures. They have mistakes. And in spite of that, God has used them. Why? Because every single sinner, which means you and me, every single one of us in this room, we are all in process. But we have a future. We have a way to move by it. By the power of God, using his spirit inside of you, I believe that God wants to help us overcome our past to where it's not something that we constantly have to battle. But how do we do that? How do we move from being Uncle Rico, stuck living in 1982, thinking that if the coach would have just put me in in the fourth quarter, we would have won state, I would have married the cheerleader, cured cancer, and be living large, you know? I mean, like, 
It all goes back to that fourth quarter in high school. It all goes back to this, this, this past that we've got. How do we press pause on that playlist that's rolling over and over and over in our head? And how do we embrace this future that God has for us? Well, first, I think we have to do this. We have to recognize that your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. Your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. So many people live consumed by guilt. And know this, guilt is not from God, ever. It's not there. But we have a very real spiritual enemy who would love for us to just kind of tread water in an ocean of guilt because he knows this, guilt paralyzes action. You can be paralyzed by your guilt. You can think, how am I ever going to conquer this thing? I have failed over and over to try to get, you know, victory in this area. But man, I just fail. So why do I even try? He also knows this, that guilt breeds self-hatred. He knows that if we can get us to be beginning to feel guilty and shame, and, and that just dominates our emotional world and our thought world, he knows that when we look in the mirror, we can... We can begin to loathe ourselves, hate ourselves, and then we can begin to feel hopeless. We can begin to feel worthless. And why is this even worth living? That's what guilt and shame does to us. But in order to break this cycle of guilt, I think we've got to take our sins and our failures and our regrets, and we've got to bring them to God, and we've got to set them at his feet. But here's the thing. We've got to leave them alone. We've got to leave them there. When you set them down at his feet, it's like, don't just keep it an arm's length away, or when you get in a weak moment, we pick that back up, and then that becomes who we are. We've got to leave him there. They're his, because this is what he does with them. Look at 1 John 1, 9. <clears throat> if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. What a beautiful conditional verse, right? If we, then he will always, right? I mean, that's amazing. I love it when he puts conditional verses in here because we can bank on them. The problem is that sometimes our faith becomes conditional. And we think if we just do this, if we look a certain way, if we attend enough church, if we say enough Bible verses, then he's automatically going to give me wealth and health and everything. And it, gets, it leads us into a transactional faith that leads us into being really angry at God. But when we look into scripture and we see when he says, if you do this, if you confess, lay your sins, lay your regrets, lay your failures at my feet, here's what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to wipe them completely clean. They're going to be gone. That's got to be one of the most powerful verses in scripture because it's a place where we can lay our failures. We can lay our worst so that we have the ability to become our best. It makes me think of this. Has anybody ever seen one of these? Anybody had one as a kid? Right? What is it? Right. Or an iPad if you live in Kansas. But uh, it's, it's an Etch-A-Sketch. No, I'm kidding. If you're from Kansas, I love you. It was just too easy. It's like a softball. All right, never mind. It's an Etch-A-Sketch, right? And you take these little knobs that are on the end of it, and you begin to twist them. And in certain ways you twist it, it makes this lead drawing go up. And you can make boxes, like wonderful boxes. You can make skyscrapers. But don't try to draw a circle, right? Because that's like literally impossible on an Etch-A-Sketch, and it leads you to a dark place. Uh, and you don't want to go there. So don't try to do a circle. But as you're making your picture and as you're drawing it, 
and you kind of make a wrong turn one time, and that thing just gets off, and it just ruins your entire picture, what do you do with it? Right, right? You just take it, and you channel your inner Taylor Swift, and you shake it off, right? You shake it like this, and like the picture is like wiped clean. It's gone. It's erased. You see, this is what this verse is talking about. When we bring our failures and our regrets and our sins to God, he says, if you confess them to me, if you lay them at my feet, I will always wipe them clean. But then God takes it even a step further. This is amazing. In Jeremiah 31, 34, he says, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. How cool is that? We might can find a way to forgive, but we have trouble when it comes to forgetting, right? God says the all-powerful, ever-present God makes a choice of his will to limit his memory to say that I am not going to remember that, not just for a little bit, but forever. It is going to be gone. I will remember their sins no more. Think about this. If we had an Etch-A-Sketch that represented your life, and it kind of would describe your past, what would it say on it? What would be those descriptive words that, that, would, that would pop up? Would it be anger, rage, resentment, bitter, hurtful words said to you or by you, gossip, unfaithfulness? Liar, addict, what is it? What would that read for you? God says if you confess it, I not only wipe it, but I forget it. I will not remember it forever. If we want to get past our past failures, we have to recognize that there is no sin. Hear it again, no sin that is bigger than God's grace. No matter what you think about yourself, his grace is bigger than that failure. And then we've got to move from there, and we've got to believe that we are not what we have done. You are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. You're not what you've done. That doesn't define you. Your failures and your past do not define you. Your identity isn't in it. It's not wrapped up in that. You are the very product and the identity of the creator of the universe who breathed life into you, that placed his image inside of you. That is who you are. And that defines you. And that's incredible. But the enemy wants to try hard. He does. He tries hard to get us to forget that. He gets us to try to personalize our sin, to not just see it as something that we did, but who we actually are. I mean, think about it. You're sitting in class, and you've just prayed to God, you know, God, please, I didn't study for this test, and I need you just to download the answers into my brain so that I can pass this so that my mom and dad don't kill me. Okay, please just do that. Please. And then all of a sudden, it's like the star ace pupil who sits right over here, like uncovers her test a little bit or his test, and you can see the answers. And you're like, God, thank you. You just answered a prayer. And so you kind of justify it, and you think, well, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And so you, on that test, you go ahead and write answers. You get great. You get a great grade, and the teacher, like, gives you all kind of accolades. But inside, you just feel guilty. And you're just like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. You see, the enemy wants to go, hey, you know what? You didn't just cheat. You are a cheater. 
Or maybe you took something that didn't belong to you. The enemy doesn't want to say, hey, you, you stole something. You are a thief. Or maybe you've lied to your parents or lied to, to coworkers and, and, and you just kind of panicked in a moment and you said you, you lied about something. And God doesn't want to see it as, hey, I lied in this moment. He wants you to label yourself as a liar. And that adds to that playlist. So when you think and describe yourself, you begin to be defined by your failures. Hear this. Failure is an event. Failure is an event. It is never, ever a person. Ever. Failure is an event. Just because you failed at something does not define you as a failure. Failure is an event. Paul tells us about how God sees us. Moving past personalizing our sin, here's how God sees us. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. It says, anyone. It doesn't put an asterisk by it and say, okay, all these sins, if you sin in this area, you're good to go. You can pass on to a relationship with Christ. Anybody over here that's done this, mm, sorry about your luck. It says anyone who belongs to Christ, anyone can come and belong to Christ and become this new person and take the old life and the old past and let it go away because this new life has begun. The bad news about this verse is that if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you've never made the decision to cross that line of faith, then you will be defined by your actions. You will be defined by your sin. You're going to be a prisoner of your past failures. Maybe you're a financial failure, an addict, or a divorcee, or whatever it is. You're going to be defined by that because you don't have something that can wipe that clean and take it away. But the good news in this verse is this. Is when you have in a relationship with Christ, your life becomes defined by what he did on the cross and nothing that we do. And the scripture tells us when we have this life, no matter what we have done in the past, that it is a life that is blessed when, it comes in, when we go in and when we go out. It is a life that, is, that we are made more than conquerors over the things in this world. It is a life that we have found freedom because Christ has set us free. It is the same power. He uses the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He places inside of us to be able to overcome any obstacles we'll face in this life. He gives us that power. And so when the enemy wants to put our past in front of us and we want to have those labels and that playlist rolling, what we need to know is here's the truth. You need to be able to say, hey, I am a child of God. I am adopted. I am forgiven. I'm an overcomer. And I have been made new. That old life is gone and I have moved past it. And I have found a new life in Christ. Because the truth is, that is you. And that's me. And that's anyone who says, I want to have a relationship with Christ and lays our sin and our failures and our past at his feet. You see, we know and we realize and we recognize that our sin is never too big for God's grace. And that we know that we are not a sum of what we have done, but we are who God says we are. And then finally, if we want to move past our faith, we've got to accept that we cannot change the past, but Christ can change our future. We cannot change the past, but Christ can change your future. Let's start with the past. Have you ever been involved, like you've moved as a family somewhere, and you get to your destination, and you realize that you've lost something significant, right? And maybe the worst case scenario, you have lost something significant to a child. 
You know, it might be a blanket, a passy, uh, a toy, a plug, or a binky, or whatever you call it. Uh, it could be one of their siblings, uh, hopefully not that. But you realize that as a parent, and you have that sick feeling in your stomach, and you exhaust all effort to try to find, you know, that favorite toy, Mr. Cuddlesworth, right? And you can't find it anywhere. And you realize, man, I've got to go in, and I've got to sit at the foot of the bed of my child, and I've got to tell them the most loving thing that I possibly can in this moment. Sweetie, Mr. Cuddlesworth is never coming back again, right? Because it's the truth. We don't want to lie in that moment. We don't want to got to give false hope. We're just like, Mr. Cuddlesworth is gone forever. And I'm sorry, honey. And there's tears and there's hugging and there's just like this empty hole in their, in their soul, their feel. You know, it's just like, oh, I don't know what I'm ever going to do without Mr. Cuddlesworth. But again, they begin to move on, right? And they find something else that replaces that. And they have a future beyond that. I think some of us need to hear that this morning. That your past... You're Mr. Cuddlesworth. It is never, ever coming back. And there's not anything that you can do to change it. We can't change our past. I wish we could. I wish we could go back and change some things. Because there's some of us that have endured incredible, horrible things. I mean, some of us in this room, we might have been molested as children. And it's a tragedy beyond tragedies. And it is a pain beyond words. And it shouldn't happen ever to anyone. But maybe that's something that happened to you. You've got to get to the point where you've got to say, you know what, I cannot change that. But I can give that to God. I can give this pain to God. And then he can control my future. Or maybe you lost your marriage. And your only dream was to have a good marriage. And you're in agony because you've lost it. Man, I ache with you. But know that you can't change it. It might already be gone. It might already be too late. You can't change it, but you can have a future moving forward. Maybe you were young and you did something you shouldn't have done. And you got pregnant. And you didn't want to get pregnant. And you decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to take the life of this child through abortion. And I'm going to make that decision. And that decision has haunted you every single day. And man, you have felt ostracized from maybe uh, family, maybe you've felt ostracized even from folks of faith, and it kills me that that's the the issue. It kills me that that we can't bring our worst failures and our worst regrets and our worst kind of past moments and bring them to a place where we can find hope. My heart breaks with you for you, and I want you to know that I think your baby is in heaven, but you can't change the past. Maybe you said something you shouldn't have done. Maybe you did something you shouldn't have done. You can't change it. But I'm telling you, moving forward, the power of Christ can be with you. And never, ever forget our main thought. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. So just do this. Whenever the spiritual enemy tries to remind you of your past and Satan says, hey, you're this or you're that, you just remind him of his future, right? Hey, you are nothing. You have been defeated by Christ. The risen Christ lives in me, and the power that lives in me is greater than the power that lives in this world. You just tell him that, hey, I can't change what happened. It is gone. It is over. But I'm telling you, I serve a God that can make anything possible, that he can bring good out of bad situations, and that he, and he wants to. He wants to use my life to accomplish something great. 
because he has a future for me. Paul said this to the Philippians in Philippians 3, 12 through 15. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Basically saying, hey, I, I, I am a sinner. I've got a past. Paul was despicable back in the day. He was prideful. He, wanted to, he killed people. He wanted to wipe Christianity off the face of the earth. He's saying, I have not achieved perfection. But here's what I'm going to do. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So it was through what Christ did, not through what Paul was going to do. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. And then he goes on in his most Paul of way to mention two things. But that's just Paul. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He is calling every single one of us sinners in this room today that no matter what your past is, you've got to press on. And the way that we can press on in difficult situations is the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, allowing us to press on. And then we forget the past. And here's what this word in the Greek means, forgetting what is, what is past. It means to treat with thoughtless inattention. It means to willfully neglect. It means to leave behind intentionally. It means to banish from one's thoughts, to disregard on purpose. It means to cease remembering. So when that old life, when your past, when a failure, when the spiritual enemy tries to remind you and has been haunting you with your past mistakes and failures, here's what God is saying, that you need to treat it with thoughtless inattention, that you willfully neglect that label that has held you hostage, that you leave intentionally the sin behind you, that you lay it at his feet and you let it go. And that you banish from your thoughts the lies of the evil one. That you disregard on purpose other people's ill opinions about you. And you cease remembering that which you let go and that Christ has ultimately forgiven. Because I'm telling you right now, you are not what others say that you are. You don't have a past. You don't have a sin that is bigger than God's grace. And that you cannot change your past, but by the power of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, he can and he will change your future. Let's pray. Maybe for some of you, maybe it just begins with that with crossing that line of faith. You've been beat up. You've been battered by your past. It's almost like it has held you hostage for years. And you've been trying to get by it, and you've been trying to do things to eliminate it. But maybe this morning, kind of God's spirit has revealed to you the only way that you can do that is if you bring it to me and you lay it at my feet. Because if you confess your sins, I will be faithful and just to wipe you clean. Maybe that's you this morning. And if it is, would you just kind of raise your hand, just slip it up just real quick. I just want to pray with you. 
Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Would you guys just pray with me? God, I thank you that you love me enough to send your son, Christ, to die on the cross. And God, I've been beat up by my past, and I want to deal with it once and for all. And so, God, I invite you into my life. I invite you to be a part of who I am. Will you please forgive me of the areas that I've fallen short and make me clean? God, help me to take these next steps. Even though I don't fully understand what everything is right now, God, I pray that you give me people, that you give me resources, that you bring things that surround my life, that I can walk with you, that I can begin to live out this new identity, this new life that you've given me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. And then, God, we just want to pray for those that have been bound by their labels, who have been hurt by others, that need to apologize for what they've done, or need to forgive those others that are around us. Maybe even, Father, we pray for those that can't even forgive themselves. But God, I pray that the Spirit, your Spirit, would just sweep through our souls this morning, that there would be healing, that there would be forgiveness, that there would be transformation in the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. God, help us to finally have the courage to be able to leave our failures and leave our sin at your feet, God. Give us this new life. And God, help us to walk daily in that. God, bring to our mind in our darkest of times the truth of who we are and how much you love us. still just in that spirit. I just want, would you guys just keep your eyes closed? Would you stand up? Just kind of where you're at, just stand up. And I want you to, to kind of cup your hands in front of you. And I want you to think back to your Etch-A-Sketch, whatever that describes your past, whatever the thing that you might have been held hostage. Maybe it's a label that you have fought with, that you think that your identity is that. I want you to place it mentally. I just want you to place it in your hands. And then I want you to spend some time praying. And if you're ready, I want you to gain some freedom. And I just want you to give it to God. And you can lift it up. You can lift it to your side. You can just release it, wherever you want to do that. But we're about to sing a song. And I just want to, uh, you to, to let the verse, this first verse, just kind of wash over you as you're praying. And just spend some time in the Spirit. And when you're ready, just let it go. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, congratulations. We are so excited for you, and we'd love to equip you with some resources, some next steps, and a complimentary gift. Just text the word FAITH to 40650. And if today you just need to talk to someone or would like to have someone pray with you, you can call our church office at 303-663-1714 and one of our pastors would be happy to spend some time with you. From everyone here at Plum Creek, have a great day.